so we did some research into your past and we discovered that when you were a baby, doctors had informed your parents that you would struggle to walk, let alone run. I'm wanting Intercontinental Cup. I've played in two European Championships. I've played in two World Cups and I've played in a World Game. You know, never give up on yourself and keep going. Someone will always tell you you can't do something, but just use that as extra motivation. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Asking for a Friend. Today, we are joined with another amazing special guest. We have the incredible Harry Baker with us here today. Hello, Harry. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you. How are you too? I'm not, yeah, not too, too bad. Not too bad, thanks. Harry Baker is an England player from the county of Oxfordshire. He's invested endless hours of his time in becoming the best footballer he can. To do this, however, he's had to overcome his biggest hurdle, a disability called cerebral palsy. As a baby, Harry's parents were told that he'd not walk, and yet here he is today running around the field playing for our country. So, without further ado, let's get chatting. So, thank you very much for, com for coming on today. Um, I'm... I'm you know, very excited for to, to hear what you've got to say. So, of course, you're you're a footballer, um, and we want to go yeah. back to your, your first experiences with football. How did you originally get into the sport? Um, yeah, so I was a football mad, um, and my mum was like, "Well, I'll get into some uh, clubs." It didn't go too well to start with, unfortunately. I think because of my disability. You know, the coaches wanted to protect me and didn't want me to be disheartened from playing with people by my age group and, you know, were scared I could get injured and hurt. So they put me in a couple of year groups below, able to play in games, which was quite demoralising because, you know, you go back to school on the Monday and all mates be like, oh, yeah, play against this team, I scored this goal, that goal. And I couldn't be able to share that experience because I didn't get to take part in those games. So that was quite hard to start with, but I was very fortunate when I moved teams that new coach was a bit more understanding. You know, it wasn't an easy ride to start with, but, you know, he put me in my same age group and he supported me and helped me get fitter and stronger. And then eventually I started playing. And, and after that, I played in every game. So it's a yeah. bit of a rocky road to start, but, you know, I love the sport now. Yeah. Um, if we go back to, like, you know, the basics, uh, could you tell the listeners what sort of position you play? Is that been the same from a young age all the way to now, or has that changed? Uh, yeah, so I've always been a centre-half or a right-back. Um, I haven't got the creative spark to play anywhere further forward. Um, for the England CP team, uh, I sometimes play um, right-wing-back or left-wing-back, depending, but, you know, that's about as far forward as it goes. <laughs> yeah, Um and of course, you know, you, you, you've been into football since such a young age. You, you you must have like a club you're really passionate about supporting. What is that club? Yeah. So this will, uh, you know, upset a few few people because, uh, you know, I'm from Oxfordshire. But I'm a Manchester United fan. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it used to be good. You know what? They're, not, they're not doing again. too bad this season. Second place. It's not bad. No, we're doing okay. Could, could be, we're doing okay. Could be better looking at your results and that sort of stuff. Yeah. It could be better, but Man City look on fire, yeah. so I'm, I'm quite happy. Yeah, at, least, at least you beat first, you beat first time in a while. City. That is true. We did end their winning streak. Yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah. No better. No better team to yeah. beat. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Now, uh, myself and Will are aware you have a disability um, called 
CP, um, which which is 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 short for. Um, sir, He's going to attempt to say it now. He's going to attempt. Pal palacy. Cerebral palsy, <laughs> which has which has had a significant impact on your life and experiences with football. Um, how has it impacted your football career? Yeah, so cerebral palsy has very different, many different severities and effects on different people. Um, I'm hemiplegic, so I'm affected down one side of my body, which is my left side. So my muscles are a bit shorter; they can spasm and. They're a lot tighter than my right side. It's also like to do with dexterity and other things and motor, um, motor neuron stuff. So like if I'm trying to tap my fingers, I can tap them really quick on my right hand. And then my left hand is a lot slower. You know, it's like simple tasks like shy, tying shoelaces. That took me quite a while. Um, it can also lead to like learning difficulties and other aspects. Um, but I'm very fortunate that my disability is uh, quite mild and, you know, I haven't got many learning difficulties and, you know, I've got quite good mobility for someone with cerebral palsy. So, hope, so I'm very, very lucky that I'm not too affected. But yeah, yeah. Have, there's lots of different severities. People are affected in four limbs, two limbs. So, yeah. how has that like changed your your past when you were growing up with it in, in football? Like we heard at this, we heard earlier that there was um, you know, some stuff which went. How did how did it affect football when you were from a young age? Yeah, it was difficult because, you know, when you're playing against people with, uh, without any impairments, you know, they're going to be quicker, stronger, you know, can use both feet. So, you know, it made me have to adapt. It probably made me a better player playing against these people without disabilities because or impairments because, you know, I've had to learn to make sure I put myself in the right positions. I've got to make sure that I don't leave myself isolated. If I am one-on-one, -on -one, how do I make sure the situation benefits me rather than them? So, I think it's done... Um, so my house work, yeah, my psychological side of the game a lot better. Um, obviously, my physiological's got better. You know, just playing sport, you know, helps my disability and helps my mobility. Um, obviously, balance is a big one, so I'm not great at balancing. So things like that, you know, shoulder barging of the ball, you know, they had a bit of advantage for them there. So I had to make sure I toughened up and got a lot stronger. Um, yeah, it was quite. I'm very mild, and I think if I didn't have this, I probably wouldn't be would have wouldn't have been able to represent my country. So yeah. I think, you know, it's a blessing in disguise. I've always wouldn't have said that when I was younger, when I used to wear big calipers on my left arm, my mm. left leg. But, you know, I'm very fortunate that it doesn't really affect me anymore. So, and, you know, it's just something yeah. I have to go through. You mentioned playing for England. What um, what sort of experiences have you had with England? And, like, what's like, the biggest game you've been involved with to do with with, with your England career? Yeah, so I've got quite a few. I'll just give you a quick brief overview of uh, what I've done and what I've achieved. So I've played um, once in Intercontinental Cup. I've played in two European Championships. I've played mm. in two World Cups and I've played in the World Games. So I've been well-seasoned, well-travelled. I've been in the squad for the eighth year in June. So and, uh, in 2018, I won the European Golden Boot, which was an incredible experience. Wow. Considering I play centre half and I've never scored three of them before, wow. and then I score seven in one tournament. Wow. So, that's incredible. Yeah. That's seven amazing. In five games. That's yeah, so it was very, very like surreal. You know, we finished fifth, which is our joint ever's highest finish wow. in European Championships. And we bettered it next year, which was one of the best games I've ever played. Well, it wasn't the best game because it was devastating for us, but you know, one of the high, most high profile games. You know, we played in the semi final against America, we beat them 4 2. That was an incredible yeah. experience, you know. The jubilation of winning and getting ready for a medal match. 
Uh, we're getting into the quarter finals, quarterfinals, we're getting into the finals. We lost the semi-finals to Russia. And then, you know, we've had a third and fourth playoff against Brazil, which was devastating because they beat us 4-1, but they're a very good side. You know, at least we're now competing for medals, yeah. which is a nice change. You know, before when I first started, we were nowhere near that. Um, one of my favourite games was in my first European Championships in 2014. We played Ukraine. So Ukraine and yeah. Russia were the two superpowers in our football. And we were... We, we drew them one all. They scored a last-minute equaliser. So that was devastating that they scored. But I think we showed the rest of the world and especially the people in the squad and the sales to have the belief that we could go toe-to-toe with the best teams in the world. So, uh, Harry, for a moment, we want to focus on your work that you've been doing with Chairwell District Council as a youth activator. So... Would you be able to explain to us and our listeners what you do as a youth activator and who you do it for? Yep, so I've worked as a youth activator for the Cheryl District Council for about 18 months now, which has, you know, been really good fun. Um, yeah, so what we do is we go into the school, so similar to like what Joe Wicks does, we deliver PE and fun sessions for all the kids at schools. We do primary school and secondary. Majority of our stuff is with the primary school stuff, um, but, you know, due to COVID at the moment, uh, we've been limited to what we could do. So our sessions have been very much circuit based. Each child has their own hoop, so they're, you know, socially distanced. And we've just done fun circuit stuff and, you know, a few games that are, you know, socially distanced and safe, which has been, you know, fun, challenging, but rewarding as well. And then previously, in the prehistoric time before COVID, you know, we were able to, you know, do lots of games like dodgeball and different versions of tag and love it, like stuck in them. And lots of the games that kids love. And, you know, they were better times, you know. We also have a fast programme, which is Families Active Sporting Together, which is where the family will come and do a session after school, get the parents to the school to come pick up their kids instead of them going home and, you know, putting the bags and getting the kids out, getting them dressed to come out again. We captured them out of there so they can just do the session, about an hour long, lots of fun games, interactive with other families as well as their child. So, you know, a good um, part of mm. what we do. And we have just started the mental health programme, which is like my little baby, which is going really, really well. So very proud of that. Yeah. So, well, it sounds like you've got such a amazingly rewarding job there. But um, you mentioned about your mental health program that you've been setting up, and we want to elaborate on that a little bit. So, could you tell us like a bit more in depth about your involvement with that group? Yes. Um, so, when I was, um, I went to a youth in mind conference uh, when I first started at the council, and you know, there's a, a gentleman there who worked for Resilient Young Minds and. Oxfordshire mind me there, and they're saying how they want to boost mental health and mental and have to look after your mental health and well-being to you know all ages. And I thought, is there any way that we could do that within the council to you know all the schools? You know, they're there. Can we we have the access there? Is there any way we can deliver you know mental wealth, mental health course that you know will help their well-being? And you know, thanks mm. to the support of Oxfordshire Mind and Resilient Your Mind, um, we were able to create a six-week program which had. Uh, 30 minutes of outdoor activity and then we do 30 minutes in the classroom because there's been a positive link to show that exercise can improve your mental well-being um, and we did six topics which was like an introduction to mental health so you have an understanding of what their mental health and mental well-being is uh, stress and anxiety anger goal setting resilience and self-esteem 
So these six topics are something we all experience and go through. Um, we targeted year five and year six children because, you know, a lot of them are just sitting sats and then making that step up into secondary school, which can be quite daunting for a lot of children. I thought if we can give them a chance, you know, to prepare themselves and give them the tools and the resources that they need when they do make that step or if they are faced with a problem or a bit of adversity, you know, they've got the tools to overcome those issues. Mm, absolutely. Well, the work that you're doing is just fantastic. You're helping so many people, you know, and it will it will prove a massive help coming out of lockdown for many kids. Um, and obviously this whole COVID period has been mental. Um, but now we want to link back now to your footballing career. So who are you playing for at the minute? Yeah, so luckily we can start playing again from tomorrow, thankfully. I've been, you know, dropping up and driving with my parents and uh, my girlfriend is saying inside the house, you know, just desperate to go out and kick a ball. Um, so, yeah, um, I played for Bicester Town Colts. You know, I've had a, a bit of a rocky season, so it's probably a blessing that the season got none avoided. But, you know, I'm glad that the friendlies are back and we've got like a mini tournament coming up, which would be nice. You know, get back to the allows, get back playing. And then hopefully we're back with the England CP team uh, in May, June time, because we had a competition in October, which is cancelled, obviously, due to the COVID uh, restrictions, which is a shame. But, you know, everyone's safety is imperative and the most important thing. So, mm. you know, we'll just gear up and prepare for the World Games next year, which will hopefully be in Barcelona. Wow. Blimey. Wow. But, like, ca- carrying on from your points there, like, I wanted to elaborate on, like, one in particular that you mentioned uh, throughout the podcast questions. So... You said that you play for England. So I'm sure this will be a very difficult and generic question for you to answer. But what what's it like being a professional England football player? And what has your experience of it been like so far? Yeah, it's very surreal. I didn't know that I could have this sort of experience and this sort of you know life of representing my country when I was a young age. You know, when I re- when I finally come to terms with my disability, I was about probably 10. And I finally realised that I would never reach my dream of uh, playing for Man United and, you know, representing, being like David Beckham and representing England. I thought, oh, that's it. You know, I'll just play football as the best I can. And, yeah, I thought my dream had gone. Then when I was like 13, I was told that there's a disability pathway. And from there, I progressed through it very quickly and very rapidly, which was a great experience. You know, I went from 15, being 15, playing for the under-21 team, going to 16, going straight into the first team going to Intercontinentals, European Championships, World Cups. I was like, this is amazing. You know, I still get the sticky butterfly feeling when I put that England shirt on every time. Yeah. You know, it was an incredible, incredible experience. You know, and I love every second of it. You know, and it went a bit all downhill, went a bit rocky. I didn't get picked for the Paralympics in 2016, which was devastating. But it's probably a blessing in disguise. I wasn't training smart. I wasn't training well. I was overdoing it and just trying to... And I was probably a bit too obsessed and I wasn't looking after myself properly. <laughs> So that was probably yeah, a blessing. Yeah. It's, it's easy to say now. At the time, it was horrible. I was devastated. Oh, yeah, well, I can um, imagine. I got told my 19th birthday, not because I wanted to be nasty, just because that was when the selection date was uh, saying, that's it. Happy 19th birthday, Harry. You're not going to the Paralympics. Oh, cheers, lads. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. And I got back in the squad for 2017. I didn't have a great tournament then as well, but I think I was still bitter about the Paralympics and I wasn't training the way I should have been. And then mm. after that, I changed my diet, changed my plan. I was studying at university at times. So it was getting the balance right. It was proved more difficult than, it, than I thought it would be. But And then mm. after 2018, I've got my balance right. And then that's when I won a golden boot. So wow. it's, been, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, but I think I'm 
steady and back up. Like, you know, I've gone the incline again rather now. I just want to make sure I don't plateau and dip. You know, so <laughs> hopefully I'll see how I can go. Yeah. Well, you must I, be doing something right, considering all your achievements, man. Yeah, it's I, all going I just well have so a, a question. Like, this might sound a bit stupid, but one of the cool things about playing for England, I always, uh, this might sound really silly, but you always get free England kits, don't you? Um, <laughs> yes, that's, we do. With our yeah. names on the back as well. Yeah. I give most oh. of mine away to my mates just to try and boost my boost my brand. That's it. I just give them away to my mates. Like you've got to wear that out. So yeah. Everyone know who I am. That's, that's, <laughs> I've always wanted to play for a football team just so I could solely just to get you know free kits. But oh, anyway. George is all kits, about yeah. the freebies. No, I want the free all, kits. I love done. collecting kits. I have a I have the New England shirt actually. But yeah. It's all about collecting. It's also a great experience when you you know get to go to St George's Park and all yeah. your travel and all your yeah, accommodation, yeah. all the nice meals and stuff. Get the good food. When I was at university, I used to love it. I'd be like, oh yes, I'm going away, which meant no food shopping. I can have actual nice food instead of a pot yeah. noodle. I cannot wait. <laughs> must... these free free courses, getting it down. It must be like crazy going to St George's Park and thinking of all like the greats which have trained there at, at St George's Park. Uh, Will and the listeners, if you don't know, St George's Park is where like England train. Um, mm. What was it like, like going to St George's Park? Yeah, it's incredible. You know, we've been very, very fortunate that there have been times when you know the mainstream pros yeah. have been there. So you know, and it's you're like, even though you like you are a bit of an them, like you know, we'll be walking Harry Kane, we'll be walking next year, and you know, he'll treat you like an England player. He belongs you got like, tracksuit on you. You know, it's just another England player to them, which is always nice. You know, obviously they get the better stuff and the big wages and the big fancy cars. But you know, it's you know, it's like being a professional athlete when you get mm. there mm. and you get to train there. You get used to all the hydrotherapy and the gym. Use the best pitches, like playing on carpet. You know, you go on a Saturday league and you're playing on bubble on a, on a, on a bubbly pitch on a slope, and you go there <laughs> and there's not a not a speck out of line, so you can't make any excuses for dodgy passes. <laughs> yeah, and a few of the boys, no favors. <laughs> So, Harry, for the remaining time we have left together, we want to put all the professional stuff aside and concentrate on you personally. So we did some research into your past and we discovered that when you were a baby, doctors had informed your parents that you would struggle to walk, let alone run. So your overcoming of this obstacle is just remarkably inspiring uh, for all people to hear. But we want you to give us your opinion. Was learning to stand and eventually run harder, uh, like a harder task mentally or physically for you? Um, yes, it's quite a hard question to ask. Uh, answer. I have to give all credit to my mum. Without her, I would not be as mobile as I am today, and I would not have achieved the thing I have done without her. You know, she used to work in HR when she found out that you know doctors told her that there was a high possibility that I'd never walk. She um, said. Well, I'm not having that. So she quit her job, become a Pilates instructor and a masseuse. Used to massage me every day, do my exercises, make make me wear my cast and my splints. And she gave me no excuses, which so I would her, I think. And now uh, I think I started walking when I was about one and a half, two. Oh, wow. I think, yes. Yeah, so I think it was the, uh, the, um, my mum's work. I think it's probably the physical stuff for my mum. I think it was the hard part. I think, you know, she used to make me cry an awful lot, you know, by putting me in a pain. She was like torturing her own child. She used to make her very upset, but it was a means to an end. So 
you know, I'm very it grateful was, for what she's done. It was done. necessary, though, wasn't it? You know, and you wouldn't exactly. be where you are today without us. So, big shout out to Mama Baker, we'll call her. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, well, um, and, you know, linking on to the, the same topic, uh, what was your experiences growing up both at home and at school? Yeah, it was... Um, Challenging. I was when I first got to school because obviously I was different. I used to wear big calipers on my legs and my arms, so you know I was an easy target for bullies. So when I was, I used to get bullied in primary school. I was very fortunate. I went to quite a small primary school that you know, after they got to know me and see my personality and who I was, and didn't think I was actually that different to them because you know I was. They didn't bully me and they supported me and they're very helpful. You know, I had a really nice time at primary school. Mm-hmm. Secondary school was a big step up, and I think. You know, I got bullied for about a year or so, but, you know, I had a great group of mates around me who, you know, I'm still friends with today. We've been, like, best mates for over 10 years now. And, you know, they stuck by me, stuck up for me and always have done. So, school was, it was challenging. Um, You know, it was the day that I didn't want to go. But I think from year eight onwards, it was probably the best experience of my life. I went to university, it was just as good, but just because you could party more. But, you know, I felt school was a time, you know, got to go and see your mates for five hours a day. Yeah. And, you know, there was difficulties, you know, making sure I did my stuff. And, you know, when you're growing up and you've got big calipers on your legs, so I wore my caliper stars at 14, 15. Not exactly the most uh, fashionable of items. And, well, you, you know, never know. Really... They might, with all the stuff that's coming into fashion at the minute, you might see loads of people strutting about <laughs> Sure. Exactly. Well, it, it didn't do me, it didn't do me many favours in when I was trying to chat to girls <laughs> until they went. So it took me a bit of time, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, they were, uh, yeah, so it was a good experience. Uh, I can't, I wouldn't change anything my childhood. Yeah, I think it was mm-hmm. very hard areas, but, you know, I've worked hard. My mum and family have worked hard with me as well. So just about making them proud now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, linking on to that, what would be the point you and your family realised that football could actually be a career for you? Um, yeah, I don't really know, really. I think it's, it's just pretty sport and it's growing and it's growing and it's growing. I think when I went first, went there, it was just, you know, it's a chance to represent the country, it's a chance to travel the world, it's a chance to, you know, you know, try and inspire as many people with disabilities and without disabilities, which is, you know, at the end of what, you know, I want to do is, you know, it's not so much about, you know, I earn a little wage now from it. I don't earn, I don't earn enough to live off it, but, you know, it's given me lots of opportunities. So it's given me a chance to speak to you two. It's given me a chance to... <laughs> You know, I've done, I did an advert for the Sports Direct. So it's yeah. like, you know, I've been very fortunate in the opportunities given me, helped me get, to, get into university, definitely helped me get my job. So I think with the support of all, you know, this, it's definitely helped boost my career and, you know, put me in good stead. I think I finally realised that it would do me proper good was after the European Championships when I sort of cemented myself as a member of the team. I think the first tournament is like, this could be my own one and only tournament if I uh, have a bad one. And it was a very mm. stressful time, but thankfully I didn't play too badly and they, they had me back. <laughs> well, that's always a positive, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. For our final question of the interview, we would like to know if there's any advice you would give to young footballers with or without disabilities that will potentially help them succeed in the future. I think it's never give up is the most important one. 
there'll be down days, there'll be days where you don't want to train or don't want to play. I have plenty of them still now, but it's, you know, getting up and knowing what you're striving for. Never, ever give up on your goal, no matter what it is. You know, if you're a footballer, then I'd say practice in the garden every day. Get out there, use both feet. Even if you struggle, just kick it against the wall. Get mum or dad out, get your brother and sisters out and just practice, practice, practice. Train hard. There'll be times when it will be really, really difficult. But, you know, it's just keep soldiering on, keep having your dreams because if you reach your aim for the stars, you might land on the clouds. So, you know, never give up on yourself and keep going. Someone will always tell you you can't do something, but just use that as extra motivation to show them why you can do it. Wow, that's amazing. That's, that's brilliant, that is. Well, then. That concludes our interview with the amazing Harry Baker. Thank you very much for coming on, Harry. Uh, we, we hope you enjoyed yourself. Yes, it was great. Thank you very much for having me, boys. It was a lovely conversation and I hope to do it again yes, soon. Yes, thank you. Well, yeah, definitely. definitely. We'll have definitely. you on in the future as well and, you know, a bit more of a chilled out chat too. Yeah? Yes, I'll have, to, I'll have to keep striving now. I better not have a downfall. <laughs> I <better> keep doing <laughs> good or else you won't have me back on. <laughs> Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> uh, right. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. As always, I've been George. I've been Will. And I've been Harry. And this has been... Asking for a friend. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs>